You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Gansert, and we have a fascinating show for you today, one that's dedicated to medical breakthroughs and new discoveries, not only for our best animal friends, but also for our most precious, our children. Our first guest is the amazing Dr. Matt Huddleman of the Translational Genomics Research Institute. He is here today to discuss with us an innovative study that he's working on to examine the root causes of autism in children by exploring several breeds of dogs that have demonstrated autistic tendencies. And what's fascinating about this research is the benefits that we can learn and apply to our children. He'll be followed by Julie Warner of Mars Veterinary, who stops by to talk about her company's Wisdom Panel DNA Test Kit. And if you have a mixed-breed dog and have always wondered what their genetic makeup is, be sure to tune in. Can't wait to talk to uh, Julie later on in today's show. But while we're on the subject of medical breakthroughs, let's talk about something that's likely familiar to all of our listeners out there today. You know, behind every great pet is a wonderful medical professional, a veterinarian or a veterinarian technician that really takes care and makes sure our animals are healthy. These hero folks are available around the clock, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to care for our furry, our winged, or our scaled friends when they are sick or just need a checkup. But there's something people tend to forget is that there are so many different types of veterinarians and different types of veterinarian technicians who are out there helping our animals. Whether they work with large or exotic animals on farms or ranches or zoos, whether they're ready to spring into action when a community is threatened by a disaster, whether they work in shelters to treat animals brought in off the streets, or whether they are really in a lab trying to research and find cures for such diseases such as feline leukemia or hip dysplasia. Vets and vet techs do so much to benefit millions, if not billions, of animals in this country. They are often little-known benefactors, and it's really uh, very important for us to take a moment and recognize and pay tribute for their contributions. That's why I'm so proud today to announce the first ever American Humane Association Hero Veterinarian and Hero Veterinarian Technician Awards presented by our friends at Zoetis. Our aim is to recognize the hard work these professionals put in, day in and day out, in helping those animals in need. But we need your help to pay tribute to these hero professionals. Starting this Friday, March 7th, we'll take nominations for the most heroic veterinarians and vet techs in America. And we want to hear from you. Please log on to HeroVetAwards.org to submit your nominations for your favorite veterinary professionals who are dedicated to the betterment of the health and welfare of our animals and the promotion of the human-animal bond. That's right. You can visit HeroVetAwards.org to submit your nominations. And remember that these hero veterinarians are there for us every day, as well as our hero veterinarian technicians. We'll take nominations from all across the country and then a special blue ribbon panel of judges consisting of veterinarian professionals and leaders in the animal welfare community will narrow down the nominations to five finalists. 
list. And beginning June 13th, all of America will be invited to vote for the top five finalists so that we can select our hero veterinarian and hero vet tech for 2014. And March 7th, friends, is an important date because we open up the online voting for the Hero Dog Awards. Yes, it's time, friends, to vote for our favorite hero dogs in our lives. This annual celebration of the bravest heroes on both ends of the leash kicks off in earnest this week as the American public gets to decide who our winners in the eight special categories will be. Who will join the lights of past luminaries such as Ellie the Pitbull? Military Working Dog Gabe or Roselle, the Valiant Guide Dog, who all won our Hero Dog of the Year awards. We'll find out later this year, but the first step is to start to vote. And this is so much fun, friends. So on March 7th, go to our website, HeroDogAwards.org, to read the most heartwarming stories and cast your vote. Once again, our friends at Zoetis are sponsoring the online portion of this year's campaign contest, and we're grateful to them for their support. And finally, a little bit of late-breaking news for you. You know, last week we had on Justin Scally to talk about his Red Star team's recent deployment to help out animals in a shelter in New Jersey. And now his team has been called by the Lakota Animal Care Project to help the neglected dogs at the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota. You know, our team members are out there today braving wind chills in the negative 20s. And they're there to take care of some 40 to 50 dogs. And though these dogs are technically considered pets, I can tell you from reports we're already receiving that many of these dogs were left there roaming free. They've not ever received any medical care. They're suffering from malnutrition, parvo, mange, among so many other ailments. And now we're there on the ground to see that the dogs are properly cared for and nursed back to health. And we all hope that these precious creatures can soon be adopted into forever loving homes where they can receive the proper care they deserve. So kudos to our Red Star team. And now we're going to be taking a short break. And when we get back, we're going to spend the rest of the show discussing DNA and gene sequencing and what it could mean for our dogs in our lives and our most precious children. You're listening to Be Humane on Pet Life Radio, and we'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Swipe It's a revolutionary new product that literally swipes away cat hair from virtually any surface. You know, most of us struggle with a roller or vacuum cleaner to clean up cat hair, but anyone who has tried either of these knows they just don't work very well. But Swipe It's patent pending glove has a magnetic-like quality that removes cat hair from almost everything. And best of all, Swipe It's is machine washable, so you can use it over and over again. To order, just visit SwipeIt's.com. That's S-W-I-P-E-T Yes, a simple solution for shedding. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome. 
welcome back to the show. And as I said at the top, today is all about humane research and what it means for our animal companions. But what we learn about our dogs and other species can also have major repercussions for how we understand human health. Indeed, this is an exciting branch of research. It's known as translational research, and it's shedding a lot of light on our genetic makeup and the genetic makeup of animals. And did you know that one out of 88 U.S. children is diagnosed with some form of autism? It's a disorder that affects so many of our young ones, but there's not a lot of research being done right now. And did you also know that several breeds of dogs actually exhibit autistic tendencies themselves? You know, recently, American Humane Association joined a partnership with TGen, the nonprofit Translational Genomics Research Institute, to launch an innovative study to address this very interesting fact. What's going on with dogs that were also seen in our children? And this study is called Canines and Kids with Autism. And I'm joined by the original author of the study, Dr. Matt Huddleman, an associate professor in neurogenomics with TGen. Welcome to the show, Matt. How are you today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Thrilled to have you. And I understand you're joining us from the road today, presenting at a, at a conference. Can you tell us where you're calling in from today? Yeah, so I'm uh, calling in from a small island off the coast of Puerto Rico called Vieques. And uh, we're here for the whole week talking about neuroplasticity, basically how our brain can change and adapt to conditions and how that might go wrong during disease. Fascinating, fascinating. You know, Matt, your really impressive bio says that you specialize in the omics, such as genomics uh, of neurological traits and disease. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about what that means? Yeah, so omics is really uh, a way that we describe an unbiased search for uh, relationships. So a lot of times that means that we're looking across the entire genetic sequence of an individual and trying to relate changes in that blueprint of life, in that genome, and relate those back to the disease. And usually when we use the term omics to apply it to anything like that, so when we say genomics, that means we're unbiased in our search. We're looking across the entire catalog of that individual genome. That's interesting. You know, as I mentioned, Matt, you authored the uh, the proposal for Canines, Kids, and Autism Study, which has a lot of the genomics research ingrained in what we're trying to explore together. I understand, particularly as a parent, that this kind of research has far-reaching potential for kids who may be on the spectrum. But can you share with our listeners how and why dogs are going to be involved in the study? Because I often say we're, you know, launching a study called Canines, kids and autism, people are a little confused about how we can learn from dogs. Yeah, yeah, that's certainly right. It's a, it's a great point to make, and uh, we certainly can learn a lot from dogs. So researchers have been studying autism for a pretty long time, and we've known for a, an equally long period of time that autism has a significant genetic component. That means that it's pretty heritable. So that suggests that uh, genetics is really heavily involved. Unfortunately, though, using the best tools that we can on the human side, it's been very difficult to dissect large portions of uh, what might be driving autism. So we do know a little bit about the genes that drive autism, but it certainly doesn't explain the majority of autism. So that led us to, to start to think about new ways to do that, those genomic studies. 
And really, one of the exciting new developments is uh, an ability to focus on the purebred dog. So the purebred dog is about 100 times simpler at the genetic level compared to humans. And as you mentioned, there are some dog breeds that have a high probability of showing certain types of symptoms that overlap with human autism. So things like obsessive compulsive behaviors. So the overarching concept here is that we can use the dog, a genetically simpler model, to better understand the genetics that might drive those obsessive compulsive behaviors. And that could lead us to a brand new way to look at the genes involved in autism in humans. So it's a way to essentially use a a lens to simplify our search in humans. And along the way, uh, the dogs will benefit too. That's fascinating. I just think this is on the cutting edge of medicine, absolutely, in research. When you talk about dogs exhibiting obsessive types of behaviors, what do you mean by that? And can you cite some examples? Yeah, so there is, uh, you know, obsessive tail chasing. There's documented flank sucking where animals will actually pay close attention to an imaginary spot, an imaginary sore, if you will, on their on their flank, and they will just suck at it and look at it obsessively so much that they actually do cause an actual lesion on their on their side. So that's been known uh, to be pretty frequent in the Doberman Pinscher, for example. Oh. Yeah, so those are just sort of two examples, and we've all seen dogs chasing their tails, but when it becomes obsessive, it really does disrupt the dog's normal sort of behaviors, right. and that's when it rises to the level of being a, an obsessive trait. Right. Very, very fascinating. When you talk about three breeds, you mentioned Doberman Pinschers. What are the other two breeds that you chose for this study? We're really focused on a few of the terrier breeds. So the bull terrier is also a dog that demonstrates obsessive compulsive mm-hmm. behavior, as well as the Jack Russell terrier. Ah, and I know many pet parents out there of these terriers know exactly what we're talking about with some of these behaviors, and I think this is fascinating. Talk and share with us a little bit about the study's design. What are the steps involved, and what do you uh, anticipate? How long do you anticipate the study will take? Yeah, great. Thank you. It's always hard to know how long it'll take in the beginning, but I think uh, shows like this really help get the word out. So the first thing we need to do is to start to collect saliva samples from dogs. So that's how we do our genetics in dogs. Uh, we, we actually just use a simple saliva collection that even the pet parents can do in the safety and the, the usual environments of their own home. Mm-hmm. And so we, we're, we're going to put out a call for dogs who exhibit these obsessive compulsive type behaviors, as well as dogs from the same breed that are healthy and don't exhibit these type of behaviors. And so the first thing we do is very simple. We compare the genetic blueprint between those two groups of animals from the same breed. And what we can find are places in that blueprint that Mm -hmm. might be linked to those obsessive compulsive behaviors. And those regions that are linked contain information that we can then study in the human. So essentially, the purebred dogs can help us focus our investigations in the human, whereas in the past, when we've done our unbiased investigations in the human, it's been really difficult to find a signal. That's amazing. Yeah, so it's it's really, it is a new approach to this. The first phase essentially will uh, be 100% based in the dog, and then we can rapidly move into investigating the human. That is fascinating. I understand, too, that, and so we, do you have a length of time for the study or just will evolve? It'll evolve, but it's, it's mm-hmm. primarily driven by how long it might take to collect 
enough samples from purebred dogs to start that first study. That tends to be the limiting factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already have a, a wonderful partner at Tufts University who's studying these obsessive type behaviors in, in dogs, uh, Nick Dodman and as well as Ed Gins. Um, mm-hmm. And we also have samples from autistic families or families with autism as well through our wonderful partnership with our friends down the street in Phoenix, Southwest Autism Research and Resource Center, or SARC. Mm-hmm. So uh, some of the samples already exist, but um, that's why it's sort of hard to put a time frame on it. But we're hoping really that the sample can progress within one to two years from start to finish. And it's fascinating because that seeing the kind of speed at this which this research can be uh, be undertaken is also giving hope to parents with children on the spectrum as well. So I I like that timetable. Let me tell you, that's I think is is incredible. Every single day can advance the cause and hopefully find some learning. I understand you mentioned Southwest Autism Research and Resource Center as one of the collaborative partners for this study. Tufts University, the Cummings School of Veterinary Medicine and the University of Massachusetts Medical School. I mean, that's fantastic to see the kind of collaborative partners around this study as well. And I just want to commend you, uh, Matt, for bringing these terrific partners together for such an innovative study. Thanks, absolutely. And I appreciate you mentioning each one of those sites because, you know, this is really how science gets done nowadays. And it's especially a way to get to the answers much more quickly is to be collaborative like that. So each one of those sites has their own expertise, their own uh, individual expertise they bring to the table, and each one is just so valuable to this project. So it has been great working together to this point. That's fantastic. You know, so many parents are listening, pet parents and, and parents of our precious human children. Tell our listeners or share with our listeners why it's so important to have these early autism diagnoses. Yeah, that is a really important point as well. So while we all start our, our projects in the area of autism, hoping that we eventually could lead to things that could help families manage the disease. I think that, I guess I should call it, I should make sure I specify it as a disorder. You know, some of the most important advances are when we can catch it early and help improve some of the behavioral symptoms. So autism is a tough one because it is a spectrum disorder. So uh, there's, there's some individuals who are extremely high functioning, and there are some individuals who have not even spoken a word in their entire life. Mm-hmm. So catching it early, though, has been shown to be one of the ways to help lessen the severity of many of the symptoms associated with autism. There are now programs that are in existence where behavior modifications can take place, and the earlier that those happen in the life of the child, it's been shown that it lessens the eventual severity of the behaviors later in life. So uh, as you mentioned, getting somehow to a diagnosis as early as possible is really, really important for medicine. That's fantastic. That's good, really good to hear. And we do know that those behavioral modifications have really helped to improve the quality of life for the uh, the child and for the family as well. You know, Matt, you're one of the most brilliant scientists out there leading in translational research, which is fascinating. And I think it is the next frontier for medical research, the kind of collaborations you've built. And certainly American Humane Association is proud of our collaboration with TGen, we are indeed excited by the future of seeing the impact that you will have in the space of humane research. What else do you have going on? I know you've got a lot of other innovative studies you're working on. 
So share with our listeners what other exciting and innovative studies you're pursuing. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Robin. We are have a lot of things on our plate, but each one of them is a lot of fun. So, you know, we do like to build off of this human-animal bond a lot in our research. So we do have some studies going on as well, uh, looking at the intersection of human deafness and canine deafness. And we're also looking at a, uh, a lung disease that's pretty frequent in the West Highland White and comparing that to human lung disease. So we do have a lot of projects that play on that importance of the human-animal bond and how humane research can help essentially both both species health. And, you know, one of the other things that might be fun for your listeners to hear about is our work in the area of Alzheimer's disease. So we have a a web-based test that folks can take, and that's at mindcrowd.org. And uh, what we're looking for is for large groups of healthy people to go take this test. And when folks take this test, they can help us better understand how the brain works And when we understand better how the brain works, then we can start to understand how to prevent diseases like Alzheimer's. So that test is about five to ten minutes long, and you you can do it over your morning cup of coffee and uh, participate in research before you head off to work for the day. So it's sort of fun. I think that's fascinating. I think lots of our listeners would like to go in. Can you give us that website again, Matt? Yeah, it's mindcrowd.org. So M-I-N-D-C-R-O-W-D dot org. Perfect. Well, I think I'm going to be taking that this afternoon. And do we get good news at the end of that test? <laughs> well, that's a great question. Well, at least you get news. So you get to see your data and you get to play with it. So each person who takes the test really can become a citizen scientist for a few minutes and play with their data. That's now, wonderful. Keep in mind, Robin, this is, this is just a test. It's meant to be fun. It can't tell you anything about your future or your risk for Alzheimer's. It's just there to really, um, it does help us. Each person who takes it significantly helps our project. But it's not meant to be anything diagnostic. So <laughs> if you take this afternoon, you know, um, have fun and, and uh, focus when you do. But just realize it's meant to, to really just engage and, and be a fun time. So That's wonderful. <laughs> That's wonderful. I'll be taking it this afternoon, Matt. That's fantastic. Well, Matt, on behalf of American Humane Association, we're delighted to be a collaborative partner with this innovative study on canines, kids, and autism. And I know we're all together seeking investors, funders who want to join us on this. We do need research funding dollars to be able to get this project launched. And I know we're wanting to get it launched in 2014. So hopefully in 2015, we can be well on our way to having some results that will advance solutions and hopefully provide for better care and alternative therapies, which would be fantastic for both our children and our animals. Matt, thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your vision. And uh, thank you for being our partner in Humane Research. For more information on this groundbreaking study, please visit AmericanHumane.org slash autism. And we look forward to sharing with you updates on this study and the next year ahead. We'll be right back with Julie Warner, who'll tell some of us about the importance of learning about the family history of our mixed breed dogs. She has an incredible product out there called Wisdom Panel. And again, it's going to be exciting to learn a little bit more about our best canine friends. Well, again, this is Pet Life Radio. This is Dr. Robin Gansert, and we'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. 
Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Jeff Werber from Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. We want to hear from you. Listen in. We're on every Thursday, 1 o'clock Pacific Time, 4 o'clock Eastern Time here on PetLifeRadio.com. We are here for you. We're trying to make life with your pets even better. I know it's hard to believe that can it even be better than it is, and hopefully it's fantastic already. The goal here is to answer your questions, help you out with your problems, anything you really wanted to know, but maybe you're afraid to ask your veterinarian, or maybe it was just too expensive to go to your veterinarian just to ask a few simple things. So that's what you got me for here at uh, Pet Life Radio. Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Call in. We'll see you here on Thursdays. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Well, welcome back to the show, and thanks for for sticking around. We've got a great segment coming up. And as we move into our next segment, I want to do a special shout-out of thanks to my colleague, Scott Sowers, who helps put this radio show together for our listeners every week. Our good friend, Todd Krim from Los Angeles, who helps connect us with our great celebrity advocates who are passionate for pets. And our dear friend, Mark Winner with Pet Life Radio. These are the folks that help bring us Be Humane every Every week, and we're so thankful and proud to know them. Well, I'm sure many listeners out there like me have a mixed breed dog. In fact, if you visit our Be Humane page on PetLifeRadio.com, you can see a picture of me with my little Daisy. Daisy I adopted from Tri-County Humane Society in Boca Raton, Florida, from my dear friend Susie Goldsmith, who runs that shelter. And Daisy is, in fact, a mixed breed. She's a little bit of Yorkie. A little bit of Maltese and a lot of rock and roll. I can tell you that Daisy brings us so much joy in our lives. And as our listeners know, mixed breeds are actually the most popular dogs in the country. They make up 53% of dog ownership. But have you ever wondered just what your heritage of your dog is? Have you ever been to a shelter and wanted to know definitively what type of DNA is in the dog you're really eyeing for adoption? Well, I'm now so thrilled to be joined by Julie Warner a senior brand manager with Mars Veterinary, to tell us about some exciting new products her company has recently rolled out. Welcome, Julie. It's so nice to have you with us. Hello. It's so nice to be with you. Thanks for having us on. Oh, we're thrilled to have you because I know one of the products you're going to talk to us about is called the Wisdom Panel. And I love that product. I've used it, Julie, on one of my dogs, Gatsby. And uh, I know that so many of our listeners would love to hear a little bit about what the Wisdom Panel is all about. Yeah, well, as the, as the name would suggest, 
It gives you information based on the DNA panel of your dog. So genetics are definitely a hot topic these days. And wisdom panel is a very simple test that you've done it. You know it's very simple to do that you can find out what your dog's ancestry is. So you just simply do a swab test on your dog, mail it back to us, and within about two to three weeks from the time that we receive it in our lab, we will email you a report with your full ancestry information. I think that's so powerful because I know I go to shelters, you know, every week in my role at American Humane Association, and I often wonder, why does that dog have that different type of coat than another dog, you know, and <laughs> why, where do those ears come from, and all those different things when you look just at the outside of the dog, but it's also very cool when you're exploring the DNA, you also know a lot about the inside of the dog as well. What's some of the benefits about knowing what breeds make up our mixed breed beloved animal friends? Well, one of the first things that comes to mind, there's a number of them, but one of the first things that comes to mind and we talk about a lot is behavior. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to train your dog or you're wondering why your dog, why does he dig? Well, maybe he's got some of this sort of breed in him where they were bred to do that type of work or that type of activity. So knowing what breeds are in your dog can really help you tailor a behavioral or training program that lets them really excel at who they are. And of course, the other things are nutrition. You know, as part of the report, you will get a predicted weight profile for your dog so you can kind of decide, do I need to work on their nutrition one way or another? And general health information. You can take this report to your veterinarian and have a discussion with them and say, hey, look what I found out. It's another tool to better understand your dog and how to plan for their future health, behavioral, and nutritional needs. I think that's fantastic. And I actually had my wisdom panel performed at my veterinary clinic. I'm uh, on the wellness plan at Banfield Pet Hospital, and my Banfield vet performed the wisdom panel for me. And it made it so easy, and we had a great discussion when the uh, report came back and learned a lot about my best buddy, Gatsby. So I know that this is a a terrific product. You know, you talk about retention of, uh, you know, understanding the dog's behavior, and that can help with pet retention, which is what we all really want in the space. Nutrition, general health, those are all so important. But you know, you just Mm -hmm. have something on the the consumer side fasting with the wisdom panel. But I understand you've got something very exciting for those in shelters who can try to use this exciting technology to figure out what type of dogs they have in shelters. What's going on with your shelter program? Yeah, so, well, we just spoke about the wisdom panel and what you spoke about, the the professional version that you can have done through your vet, which is actually a blood draw. That's what I would refer to as a post-adoption test, right? So you already have the dog or you've gotten the dog and you decide to do it or you do it through your vet. Mm -hmm. A pre-adoption model is for the shelters, and that's a product called Dog Tracks. It's kind of like a car fax. It's a dog track. And what we it enables a shelter to do is to find out same ancestry information and then post that information on the dog's kennel. So when people are walking down the the row there and looking at dogs and falling in love with them, they Mm -hmm. can have a better understanding of what breeds are in that dog so that they can really decide, is this the right dog for my lifestyle? Especially when it comes to something like a puppy. They're so cute, they're so cuddly, they're nice and small, but if it's got a large breed in it and you live in an apartment, 
that may not be the best match for you when he turns into a 60-pound dog, you know, <laughs> nine, ten months later. That's so right. It, it enable, yeah, it enables shelters to really provide that 360-degree view of the dog so people can make a really informed decision. And then hopefully that decision will last for a lifetime that, that the dogs aren't brought back and that they go out faster from the shelters. We all know that length of stay is a big thing for shelters to make sure that they can get as many dogs through as possible so they can find them homes. So reducing length Mm -hmm. of stay and retention in the home once they get there, we're hoping that this product will really help shelters with that. Oh, I think that's fantastic. You know, American Humane Association finished phase two of a three-phased research study on pet retention. How can we keep pets who are adopted from shelters in loving forever homes? And what we found was that within six months, over 100,000 animals are actually uh, missing. They're no longer in the home. They have not been returned to the shelter where they were adopted from. They're just not accounted for. And that was a stunning number for us as we were looking at this because, you know, we all know that we're talking about three to four million healthy adoptable pets that are unfortunately euthanized every year in our shelters. Now we're also talking about another sizable number who are adopted from shelters but not connecting for a forever home and turn up missing when you go back in an account. So I'm sure that something like dog tracks is bound to be such a benefit for families who are considering adopting uh, from a shelter so they can really be prepared and that has to improve yeah. pet retention. So bravo. We so thank you. Hope, yeah, we really hope so. I hope so too. And I know you're taking to the road this incredible tour. You have a tour coming up that's going to help shelters. Tell us more about your exciting Swabathon. <laughs> yes, it's our inaugural year for Swabathon. I love it. It's a tour. <laughs> Yeah, so thank you for telling folks about it. It's a tour that we are literally taking coast to coast. So we're out of Portland, Oregon here, and we're going to go all the way to the other coast, stopping along the way at, oh goodness, upwards of 25 different stops with the amazing pet expos. And we're going to educate dog owners, dog lovers about the benefits of testing their dog for DNA and finding out what kinds of breeds are in their dogs to as we talked about earlier, really help with behavior, nutrition, health. And along the way, we're partnering at every stop with a shelter there locally. And what we're going to do is pre-test those dogs with the Dog Tracks product. And then once they get to the event, they will be there with their Dog Tracks certificates and they will be up for adoption. So it's kind of a two-pronged approach and it's going all over the country. We've got a tour manager, a big bus, and if you see us on the road, honk and say hi. I love that. For our listeners, Julie, are there ways that they can go to a website to find out more about Swabathon? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You can go to wisdompanel.com slash Swabathon, S-W-A-B-A-T-H-O-N. And if you forget that and just go to wisdompanel.com, there's a link there on our homepage as well. Oh, that's wonderful. Julie, I have to ask, I ask everyone who comes and is part of this show, whether or not they have animals in their lives. Tell me, do you have any dogs and have you swabbed them? <laughs> well, uh, let me start first by saying I've swabbed probably 50 or 60 dogs by this point now. I've um, been on lots of the tour stops and they are, they're so funny. You get that first swab in and they don't quite know what's happening. By the time the second swab comes out, they go, oh, I'm on to you now. Um, but... 
I do not have any dog. I have animals. I have two cats right now. I don't have any Aww. dogs at this point because I travel so much, but I uh, do a lot of work at shelters, so I get my dog fixed. And here at work, we have lots of dogs, too. Oh, that's wonderful. And I'm so glad that you have cats in your lives. And we always tell all of our listeners, if they have one cat, hopefully they can open up their home for a second cat. And we were just having Blake Cook, who's a NASCAR driver on the show a week or two ago. And he talked about having not just one or two cats. Now he's up to five. So he said, might as well keep on on adding cats. And they all need homes. We need to get them out of shelters as well. And I know in your spare time, Julie, you talked about volunteering with various animal groups groups. I mean, that's such incredibly inspirational work. Tell us a little bit about your volunteer work. Well, you know, as I mentioned, we're here in Portland, Oregon, and it's where I live, and there's a huge shelter network here, and I'm proud to support them with my volunteer hours. I've worked at a couple different shelters here, just doing, you know, the basic shelter work that they need volunteers for, caring for animals and and, uh, scooping things out and walking and feeding. And then I also belong to a national group, which I've responded to a few emergencies as well as other situations where animals are in need of of rescue work and, and sheltering. And I think today... Still, the most powerful event for me was Katrina, and uh, I feel very, very blessed to have been able to go down and and put in some time there with the animals, but it's just a very, very special feeling to be able to help an animal in need. Well, that is so true, Julie, absolutely, and I know that you have a very special executive director at Oregon Humane Society, Sharon Harmon, and she's just recognized on the national stage for innovations and uh, just uh, creative leadership in the animal welfare community, and I know it's got to be exciting to see her work in action. It is. That shelter is uh, not too far from where I'm sitting right now. And, you know, if you ever get to Oregon, any of your listeners, and you want to see something that's truly state-of-the-art, where hours, time, innovation came all together, that shelter is absolutely beautiful. And the animals there are just in such a an amazing facility, and they do such great outreach work. So, yeah, I'm proud to have volunteered there. Oh, that's wonderful. So big cheers to Sharon Harmon. If she's listening today, we're (laughs) proud to know you too, Sharon, and thanks for all you do for the animals. Well, Julie, we're thanking you for what you do and certainly uh, grateful to learn more about Wisdom Panel and Dog Tracks and your first inaugural Swabathon. And, you know, if this can get out there more and more, families will be able to better understand their beloved four-legged new best friend. And I'm hoping that, as you're hoping, that pet retention will really increase and those animals will be fortunate to be in their forever loving home. So thank you for what you're doing. Well, thank you so much for having us on and uh, giving us a chance to educate people about what neat things you can find out with dog ancestry and DNA testing. Yes, very true. And from Gatsby, I can tell you I learned a lot about my my little (laughs) spaniel. So, so much fun. Well, that's all the time we have today on Be Humane. Be sure to tune in next week as we bring you more movers and shakers in the animal welfare world. Until then, let's all remember to be humane. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.